For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God in everything I write here. Hey, everybody, this is another edition of On One with Angela Rye, and I am so, so, so excited because there's a brand new podcaster in our mix. Her name is Adrienne Benfield Norris. You all know her as Gammy from Red Table Talk. She has a new podcast called Positively Gam, and I am positively elated to be sharing space with her today. So welcome, Gam. Also, Adrienne. Also, Miss Adrienne. Also, the (laughs) baddest woman on Instagram. I'm going to get all the tips today, y'all. Oh, my God. Uh, well, we Thank answer. you for having me, Angela. Thank you oh, so much. The pleasure is all mine. And we have, it's the, the reason for the season is the gift. So we're about to give people these jewels. You're going to tell us how we can totally look 20 and, and in the 60s. Like, what? I'm serious about this. That's one of my first questions. But first, uh, we can go into rapid round now. You ready? I'm ready. You pretty quick on your toes on Red Table Talk. So I'm not even concerned about this. So here we go. <laughs> All right, first one, Positively Gam or Red Table Talk? Positively Gam. (laughs) said, I'm putting me first. Okay, books or roller skating? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, that's a hard one. That's not even fair because I'm just, you know, I'm on this journey of learning how to roller skate right now. (laughs) I'm going to have to go with roller skating. That's good. Well, since you didn't get to hit books, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading Cast. I'm reading yeah. Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Ooh, that's a yes. good Yes, yes. Best month in 2020. Ooh. I would have to say February before the before the pandemic started. <laughs> and Black History Month. All right. That. Okay, what about this? This is for the girls. Don't say I never did nothing for y'all. Your favorite <laughs> workout. You know. I, I don't have one workout though. Mm. Like I do, I do multiple things. Mm. <laughs> I do cardio and I do weights. I do yoga. Now I'm doing Pilates because I just had um, foot surgery. Yeah. So I haven't been really able to do much of anything. So right now I'm kind of stuck on mm. Pilates mat. Wow. Yeah. What about... Loving basketball or loving hip hop? Loving basketball. <laughs> okay. Come on now. Come on now. You know I'm not for the nonsense. Oh, I get it. <laughs> what about this? Here's my question. We just talked about February. Favorite person in Black history? Oh. Now that's that's not that's not fair. That's not right. <laughs> we, we have so many, so many. But you know what? The one, does it have to be somebody? Okay. So right now I'm going to say Malcolm X. Okay. I am Malcolm X. I love that. Yeah. I stopped eating pork from watching that movie in the seventh <laughs> grade, by the way. So that's serious. Yeah. I'm going to say Malcolm X. Okay. Favorite gospel singer? Ooh. Oh, probably. Yolanda Adams and Donnie McClurkin. I love them. Those are good ones. Okay, here's my last one. Um, Just because of how in so many ways um, I feel like you mother and you guide us on Red Table Talk. 
your most memorable quotes or best piece of advice from your own mother? Oh, from my own mother, it was um, make sure that you're able to take care of yourself. You never want to rely on a man and you want to be with a man because you want to be there and because he wants you to be there, not because you have to be there. Ooh, that's good. That's a good rapid round. We got yeah. all the wisdom and the jewels in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I yield the floor. To you yield the floor? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Angela, you know, I consider you like what we have many voices. We have many uh, black women who come to the forefront now with their voices, but I consider you one of those prominent voices right now. And um can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got here? Mm. Like, was this always, you know, what you saw yourself doing? No, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> never. You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, p- there are young people, especially when I could still go to college campuses and talk to them and they would say, you know, I want to be on TV. I've always wanted to do this. You know, what should I do? And I say, first things first, I never wanted to be on TV. So it's so interesting because I really did fall into it. Although some people would say I really come by honestly, my dad had like a TV show on like public access back in the day. He has a radio show right now. He is truly a talker, you know, grew up debating my parents, believing that I could always have an opinion. So was groomed for it in a lot of ways, but never knew that it was about, I always just thought it was about being able to fully express myself. Um, and so what I can say is I definitely feel the pull around. I'm supposed to use my gifts to serve humanity, particularly my community. And it just so happens that one of those gifts is advocacy through the, through the spoken word. And that's, I guess, how you get to TV, but it was like law school. And I wanted to go and make a difference. I wanted to be the female Johnny Cochran, you know, like there were all of these other things that I aspired to, but it wasn't TV. So if, um, as a result of my work, it was profiled, I was cool with that. But like going to be talking on TV, never even thought about it. Got it. (laughs) Do you feel, and this is a question that I, that I ask a lot of people, do you feel pressure to um, be a role model? Ooh, I think, yeah. Like, and it's crazy, Gam, because I'm learning through therapy how um, perfectionist tendencies as a kid, like, just translate into trying to be perfect and trying to fit a certain mold as an adult. So as a kid, um, I had some cousins, shout out to all my cousins, I'm about to get y'all, you're going to be mad, but this is the truth. Some (laughs) of them were real bad. Like, on my mom's side, they they were always in trouble. And so I was the kid who was like, let me, I was like, I'm not even gonna go play with them because they always in trouble. I'm gonna sit right here with the adults and I'm gonna be on my best behavior. Now, on my dad's side of the family, I was a completely different human being and I'd be running around with my cousins on that side. But like, I was trying to fit a certain image because what I realized, Gam, and maybe this is manipulation at an early age, if I was good, I got gifts. You know, uh. like, <laughs> it, was, it was a whole thing. Like if I was on my good behavior, I got rewarded for that. So I was like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to play the part. So I think now I haven't been able to separate 
what part I'm playing from who I really am. And now at 41, I'm trying to unravel all of that and be like, oh no, it's okay to not be perfect. Cause guess what, boo, you're really not, you know, it's like, wow, I'm learning a lot. So for sure. It's like, it's always been an intricate part of who I am. And even I can hear my dad now in my head saying practice makes perfect little girly. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Stop saying that, <laughs> you know, but he has some other good advice. <laughs> You know, so from uh, this is a question that is just coming off of the top of my head, but do you, do you feel any pressure to like, like for me, uh, one thing that I struggle with. So actually I'm going to ask for your opinion on this or maybe your assistance on this, because I feel like, um, there, I feel like I have a lot of pressure to present myself a certain way mm-hmm. to the public eye. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily what I really feel. So sometimes I feel like I have to curb what I say and, mm-hmm. and, and curb what I'm feeling so that it's more palatable. Ooh, yeah. Where does you ever find yourself in that position? Absolutely. But I really want to know, like from you, where does that come from? Is it like, okay, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I'm hosting this show. I'm co-hosting this show and people expect for it to be healing. And so if I speak my truth, it's going to damage people and it won't be healing anymore. Like where, where does, or have you always felt some pressure to put on certain airs or perform a certain way? Where does it come from? Yeah, I've, I've always been a person that um, was very uncomfortable in my own skin, mm. you know, which mm-hmm. actually, I don't want to, I don't want to lead off the discussion too much, but that actually, with that kind of discomfort and um, uh, lack of self-esteem actually led me into my um, journey in addiction. So, um, you know, I guess maybe some of that is is left over, you know, but I I, I feel like there's a lot of I feel like I have a lot of pressure. Also, you know, you know, being Jada's mom and, you know, there's just a, a certain expectation how you present yourself and how you carry yourself in the world and yeah. definitely on Red Table. Ooh, it's it's so deep because I feel like. This is a burden that so many Black women have, whether Mm. you're on TV or you're on Facebook Watch or you're on a podcast or you are the first lady of a church. Yes. You are, you know, Kamala Harris now as Mm -hmm. or Michelle Mm -hmm. Obama as first lady. Like you can't ever be angry. You um, you you can't ever like use your hands when you talk because that means you have an attitude. If you you know what I mean? Right. You can't do any of that. And, And then how dare you say anything about racism or um, your own shortcomings or your own implicit bias, or you just like, you have to be, you have to fit this perfect mode. And I think, um, I think that it hamstrings a lot of us and drives, if, even if it's not to addiction, it drives a lot of us to performance. Yeah. I mean, and to like dwelling and fully existing in wounded ego space, instead of being able to unpack what your authentic truth is. Right. And so I a thousand percent relate to it. And what's so crazy is I think a lot of people would assume I don't deal with that because I'm outspoken. But being outspoken doesn't always mean that you're telling your authentic truth. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you're saying 
what you believe people can handle to your point about palatability or you are saying things that you know you've been talking about with your friends and maybe you shouldn't be saying it yet because you haven't fully processed what your truth is. And that's the part that I feel like I'm really coming into now. Like, all right, should I be expressing this idea yet if I don't quite have it? Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel now, like I understand that I can destroy things with my words. Yes. Even if that's my truth, does that mean it needs to be said? Yes, 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 yes. You know, so it's like, all right, maybe there's another form of processing that doesn't require me to verbalize it. And that's hard for me. And I'm learning that now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'm a work in progress. That's, That's all I can say. I'm a work in progress. Thank goodness. But we digress. We, no, we digress. This is, because- this is not the digression. This is the me, you know, because because part of this, I'm so glad you raised this because part of this is like, I wonder if that is exactly how you were feeling on the show where you guys talked to um, Olivia Olivia Jade, mm. the college the college admission scandal, and her parents, and like you were like, why do we have to provide the space for this? You know, and I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, like. For real, why do we have to? Because it's not just Olivia. You are, to me, you are speaking to this larger issue of Black women always having to make white women and white people feel comfortable processing their BS at our expense, at the expense of our energy and our exhaustion and our anger and our rage and our sadness. It's like, when do we get to hold space for us? Exactly. I was like, I feel this. I feel it. Yeah, it it it, it definitely was was some of that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I did feel I did feel that way, and it, but it you know it, it you know it just was a a, a very um, challenging situation. Yeah, um, wanting to honor, um, you know what Jada felt you know was necessary for the show. Mm-hmm. And what she felt was necessary because I give her props too. I give I I give both of us props for, you know, trying to speak our truth because Jada was true to who she was mm-hmm. and trying to live a, a compassionate life, you know. And I was trying to be true to how I felt and how I I felt like a lot of people, particularly in my generation, would feel about having her on under those circumstances. But yeah. um, and then when you think about the number of black mothers who go to jail because they use somebody else's address so their kid could go to a better public school, you know, yeah. like do real, not two or three months, do real jail time, you know? So I like, I just, I related to it so much. And I think part of the beauty of your podcast now and the show is, you all give us space to process things that we have to bury, bury, bury. You know, yes. one day that stuff explodes like Mount St. Helens. You know, like one day it's like that's all got to come out. So I really do appreciate the fact that y'all talk about it from various perspectives because we're also not monolithic, even in the same family. Exactly, exactly. And that's what the show is about. And so if you can't, you know, have an opportunity to, um, speaks both both sides, then, you know, we're not really true to what the show is supposed to be about, which yeah. is the three generational mm. um, point of view. So, but, you know, you and I, we, we decided to talk about the Black woman's role in, in America and particularly about the impact on the election. 
And we all know, you know, names that, you know, easily come to mind when we think about Black women in history. We can go back to Sojourner Truth and uh, Mary McLeod Bethune and Ida B. Wells. We can name all of those. We can talk about, of course, Michelle Obama, Stacey Abrams. But are there some unsung heroes like grassroots people that come to mind that you might want to to shout out. Yeah, for sure. You know, and thankfully, um, some of them are my friends. You know, mm. there are people who ran political action committees and all political action committees are made the same. Some of them do um, collect donations to ensure that they can give to different candidates on the ground because it wasn't just about the presidential this year. It was you know, right. congressional races and still in the middle right now of the Georgia Senate runoff and yes. maybe people in the Senate, which will make all the difference from a governance standpoint, but also state and local races. Yes. And so you have um, people like Adrian Sharpshire who runs Black Pack. Um, and a lot of what their work is, is canvassing and having to canvas during COVID, mm. you know, like, wow, shout out to Adrian for just having the fortitude and the innovation to be able to still reach our voters. Um, I think about Tamika Mallory, who's gotten a lot more attention this year, but Tamika for so long has been doing yes. that work without any attention and in some degrees, you know, people bashing her. And yeah. so Tamika on the ground, being able to see her in North Carolina. On yeah, the ground, I love Tamika. I love yeah. Tamika. <laughs> both knocking on doors and they had a whole bus with Until Freedom and just doing like God's work. Um, I think of Latasha Brown, who mm. not only with Black Voters Matter in Georgia, uh, you know, helped to flip Georgia blue this year. But also before this, in the Alabama special election for Doug Jones, he lost this this term, but they helped to get Doug Jones elected in Alabama. If it wasn't for the work of Latasha Brown and Black Voters Matter, that wouldn't have happened. And what's so incredible about them is they really make sure they're talking to the groups in those states and communities and they're funding those groups. So I love Latasha for that because she's she has a big enough energy and spirit to suck up all the oxygen herself, but she really does ensure that she's giving a platform and space for other people who look like us. And then I would say finally, still on the PAC side, um, Stephanie Brown James co-founded Collective PAC with her husband, Quentin James, and has been doing amazing work. She did amazing work at Emily's List and before that, the NAACP, um, just incredible. And um, so well thought, you know, uh, thought out and deliberate. She was an SGA president at Howard. Like she's been <laughs> doing this work and her leadership style is all about consensus. Like she'll come to you and say, you know, sis, well, how are you feeling about this? Like, what, what do you think we're doing wrong here? How can we get this right? And that's mm -hmm. the kind of leadership this, these days that we really need. Absolutely. So all of them. Oh my, and Stacey, of course, and Insay and like, I mean, there were so many black women who made this election happen. And I know. then of course Kamala, right? Like I don't yeah. know what would have happened if she I know, happen. I know. For for me, my unsung would be um uh Nikidra Robinson from Baltimore, Maryland, who um heads the um Baltimore chapter of Black Girls Votes. And I have yes. on my Black Girls Vote I love that. I love her. <laughs> yeah, Nikidra is Nikidra is really special. Like she's traveled to 
um, different cities and, um, you know, to register voters and had unfortunately had to have virtual um, voter and engagement parties. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that that organization is really uh, strong in trying to inspire black girls and black women to um, use the political process to improve the quality of life for their families. Yeah. So, you know, we know that 90 percent of black women voted for the Biden-Harris ticket. Right. Mm -hmm. And we talk about um, the Democrats owing the black community. But I want to ask you um, and, and, and what we got out of it was, as you mentioned. Biden won and what we got was. Kamala Harris, Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris. And, you know, I'm really feel excited about that. Yeah. But before we we focus on Kamala, I want to ask you, do you feel like we really have a black agenda? Because I just feel like it's really important. I think that we have this expectation that, you know, the whoever is in in charge, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, you know, owe the black community something, but what is it that we want them to do? I think that we have been non-specific about that. And I think it's really important that we have a black agenda. Do you feel like we've accomplished that yet? I love that. And it actually takes me to another unsung hero. Um, She's been getting a lot of shine for the work they've done to create the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Alicia Garza, who also founded um, Black Futures Lab, talked to 30,000 Black people all over the country before the election, um, talking to them about what our agenda should be. That is the largest survey of Black people since the 1800s. I've never even heard of that survey. See, that and that's that was my question. Like, how are we going to how? How are we going to who's going to come up with the black agenda? How are they how are we going to determine what the black agenda is? And this is the thing. So what's so fascinating to me is we will make so many things trend and talk about so many things. And especially this question, like who's going to do a black agenda? We don't have one, but we do have one and we just don't lift it up. And it actually is really good work. And if I'm really being honest with you. It's not even as progressive as I am. Black people, the folks you talk to from all different parts of the country, black people can be pretty conservative, Mm -hmm. right? So what our expectations around um, policing are pretty conservative. We're just talking about accountability, body cams, and, you know, for for economics, the economic agenda, I think needs to be fleshed out a little more. But one thing that was clear is black people feel like we need um, better family leave policies, and we at least need to be making $15 minimum wage so that we can live. And so when you look at it, all of these things are pretty palatable. And I think the most important thing is when we talk about a Black agenda, we are talking about how we uplift all of the most vulnerable. When you help and you ensure that Black people are taken care of, the whole country is taken care yeah. of. I have you know, to agree with because that. we are at the bottom of the bottom. We are at we are, you know, experiencing covid at worst numbers. We are experiencing um, what happens when there's an economic crisis at worst numbers. We are experiencing mass incarceration and criminal injustice at worst numbers. 
So if you start to fix things for us, it automatically fixes things for everyone else. What, so what, what makes you so excited about Kamala Harris and, um, what do you think that she can really bring to the administration? Well, cause I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. And, and I would encourage, I would encourage, um, I would encourage the listeners to take a look at the, the interview that you did with Kamala Harris on, on one, because it was excellent. It was when she was actually running for the presidency, but it was an excellent interview. And it really gave me insight to what she's bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. So what would you say about that? One, um, you know, Kamala is one of the most genuine people I know in politics. And I think that people don't always see that because just like we were talking about at the beginning of this, and I was like, no, don't cut this off because it's so real and we're impacted by it everywhere. She is judged by her skin color. She's judged by the fact that, you know, her mom is East Indian, was East Indian, and her dad is Jamaican, and therefore she must not really know what the real Black experience is, as if slave ships didn't go to Jamaica too, right? <laughs> um, she is judged by um, appearance and who she dated and um, all of these things that we all know as Black women in every other role. But you would think that someone who has ascended to this level would be somewhat exempt from some of these things. Kamala has, um, as a result, I think, really put on a guard to protect herself because at, at, in, like the, in the purest sense, she is sensitive and she is kind and she really loves people. And when you're sensitive and kind and you really love people, that means you care a lot about what people have to say. Yeah. So you see a lot of times when you see her, you see someone who's really guarded. And I relate to that so much. That's not her at all. She is so down to earth and has the best laugh and loves hip hop and loves our people and loves to cook and is so down for the cause and listens to everybody that has a good idea. Probably some folks who have bad ideas, too, you know. And so what I think is incredible about her in contrast to Joe Biden, and frankly, the thing that I'm worried about for Joe Biden is this ability to hear even when it hurts. Mm. I'm going to listen to you. I don't necessarily like how you're talking about my record, but let me see where I might have a growth opportunity. She brings that genuinely. And um, I think that we're all going to be better for it. What I um, am hopeful for is because she's coming in as a black woman, woman, there are, you know, people, Joe Biden's closest advisors are white men. And I think that she'll be able to really push back on their perspectives on our culture, um, on, for all women and for other people of color um, in marginalized communities at a time where we need it most given, you know, living in a trifecta of pandemics from economic injustice to COVID right. to, you know, racial injustice, racism. So I think that she will be a gift um, for all of us in that role. And I believe that she's going to use that platform for the people, as she said during her campaign, Kamala Harris for the people. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I, I love um, her conversation about um, changing the ideas of what, uh, safe community looks like. Yeah. 
I, I love that conversation. And once again, I would I would encourage listeners to to go on YouTube and 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 look at that interview that you had with her because she talks about when you heal the black community, you we you don't do that with more police. That's right. You know, and that's part of um, changing how you look at um, the criminal justice system too. Because if you create safe communities, then you don't need more police, and that means so many different things so so i mean it's it, but it's such a huge task it's such a huge task it's like i i don't know and you asked her that question like where do we start because yeah. we have to deal with economics we have to deal with education you know we can't just be we're not looking for handouts at all we you know, never got we, one even though right. we gave all the handouts I say the hand, we gave out the handouts, the hand ups, the hand right. ins, like we gave, given everything from the, from the very inception of this country. So when you, you asked me what I'm most excited about with her, what are you most excited about with this incoming administration? And what's your greatest fear too? Say that again. I'm sorry. Sorry. The, your, what are you most excited about with this incoming administration, the Biden-Harris administration, and then your greatest fear as it relates to them coming in as well? Um, I think what I'm most excited, excited about, once again, is Kamala. Yeah. You know, I'm very excited about having a Black woman, you know, with that kind of power. Recognizing, too, when we talk about power, there are limitations. Like, if we don't flip the Senate, we're going to be in the same position that President Obama was. And we and we really have to understand that people talk all the time about what Obama didn't do and all of that. Like. The president is not doesn't have as much power as you think he does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the Senate. Yeah. You know, and Mitch McConnell still being in power, he's going to try to stop everything just like he did before. You know, so that is my fear. So my yeah. biggest fear is that we don't flip the Senate. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I that's, get it. That's that's my biggest fear. And it's crazy so. because people don't know Barack Obama for his first two years actually had the House and the Senate. They don't remember that. And they ended up losing the House and the Senate behind health care, which we needed. But people are so resistant to it because they're like, oh, um, we need to make sure that the insurance companies are good. What about the humans? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about the humans? So. so Shirley Chisholm is known for this, this quote. If they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And I feel like you in particular are very familiar with bringing your own chair. Can you talk a little to us a little bit about that? You know, I um, I like that quote, but I really would like for us to build our own table. Oh, you know, and yes, yeah, and it's and that's something to the point that you can relate to too. You guys literally have done that um, by providing space for our issues, and I think that it's imperative for us to do that in every single industry we touch, even the ones they don't want us to touch, but we know we belong everywhere, everywhere, um, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And so to me, it's about, you know, if you see something where our stories aren't being told or if you see that we're not being represented, whether it's in the incoming administration, it's in a corporation on a board in the C-suite um, or you see that, you know, there's a gaping hole 
in, you know, management or middle management um, or executive roles on sports teams, you know, or how mm-hmm. folks with black banks, we have to ensure that we're always pushing for our interests. That's the only way our economic circumstances are going to change, community shift. And we experience a paradigm shift even in our own worthiness. We have to believe that we're worthy first. And I think that's not just about the finances. That's also about how we see each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that was going to lead me into my next question, but I think you answered it. Why is it so important to have a mix of different ethnicities, ethnicities and power um, in political office and everywhere? Yeah. And, And I think you you've answered that already. There was my there was the class I took in undergrad, Adrienne, called um, Critical Race Theory. A lot of people take that class like in law school. And in this classroom, I went to University of Washington. So all my classes were like huge, big, you know, crazy sizes. But this was like a seminar class. So it was small, like 25 of us. Shout out to Dr. Andrea Simpson, who taught this class, by the way. But it was the most diverse class I ever had in college. No, no other classes like that after nobody was the same race. It was for the first time in my life, white people were like, I'm Irish. My parents are Scottish. I'm Jewish. They weren't just saying like they were white because it was it was um, appreciated that the, all of the diversity uh, in the classroom was really appreciated. My grade was so good in that class because it wasn't just the textbook. It wasn't just the professor. I had the benefit of learning the cultural experiences of my classmates. If we took that same um, thing and applied it into every other thing we did, we would all be so much smarter because we're learning perspectives, you know? Right. And I think it's it's crucial. You cannot um, serve people if you don't understand anything about where they're coming from. And you can't do that if you don't interface with people from their communities. Exactly. So it's super important. You talk about in public office, they literally are being paid by taxpayers. They especially should have a diverse group. When Kamala Lee, well, she's leaving the Senate, that will mean no more black women if um, Governor Newsom doesn't appoint a black woman. That's Mm -hmm. irresponsible. Right. Irresponsible. We cannot have that anymore. In 2020, to not have a, and only have two black men in the Senate? Right. You know, it's it's actually really crazy. <laughs> it is. Because that's Negative. not the world that we live in. No. That's not the world that we live in. The world is very diverse. And here in the United States, we are, you know, we are filled and surrounded with all these different nationalities. Yeah. And I mean, I, we, we, we learned that growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I I was not raised a Christian, I am now, but we were not raised as a Christian. We were raised in the ethical society. And um, one of the goals for the children in the community was they took us around and we learned about all different kinds of religion. Yeah. All different kinds of religion. So that makes you feel comfortable with people that don't look like you. It gives you a sense of tolerance and acceptance of other of people that don't look like you, that are different from you, you know, and it also gave us an opportunity to learn about different religions so that when we became of age, we could make our own decisions about what religion we wanted to practice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that is part of being in a world that is full 
of people. Yeah. Learning our differences and accepting our differences and learning, the, you know, what we're, we're like, because we still stuck on that word race, you know, and there's only one race and that's the human race. That's true. And the thing that that's, that's so compelling about the ethical society that you're talking about is like, how much safer would, you know, kids be, would, would adults be if they really had a different understanding? Understanding. You know, like just pushing people like everything is not your way. That may be your right. viewpoint, but that's not the only way. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. It was, well, this has been such a great conversation, Angela. Wait, I'm not done because I got you questions. Not done? You got questions? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right around to that. I, I'm, I'm not actually not done either, but I'm going to give you some chance to answer some questions too because I guess I've been asking all the questions. Some people would say this is shallow, but this is so important to me. So uh, I can't remember if we were already recording or not, but I was saying I'm 41 and I was like, I don't know if I should call you Gam or Adrian or both. Damn, Adrian. But here's the thing. You literally could be my cousin. Because you, I mean, I'm like, I don't believe at all that you're in your 60s. So you have to tell us how we stay snatched and together. And then you had the nerve to put up a thirst trap the other day that all the men are talking about. They're like, you see our six pack? I'm like, oh, you know what? That's so crazy because... I was, I was really, that was not, well, <laughs> that's the, not the, what that picture was supposed to be about. Well, I mean, because the, I was very, my, my stomach was very full, very full because I have not been, been able to work out since I've had this surgery. Now you're going to so tell us that this, now you're saying it wasn't even a good stomach day. My no, stomach it wasn't. Was I, I, you didn't read the caption. I was like, oh my God, I got to get back in the gym because I'm looking I'm not looking right right now. Oh, my God. Even the dog had to bark about this one. Okay. So here's the thing. You got to tell us about how, how, how <laughs> do we have a bad stomach day with a six pack? And how can we like stay together? What's the skincare regimen? You say you don't have a favorite workout because you left them off. And I guess yeah. I'll stop smoking. Okay, so so this is this is the thing. I gotta re I gotta I gotta refer you to the, the Jada just posted. Um let me put the dog outside because apparently he's not gonna stop barking and okay. he's gonna mess up. This is this is man, I need this. Hold okay, on. all right. <laughs> so you ready? Yes, I'm so okay. Sorry. So I have to refer you to the Jada did posted an uh, a video on Instagram that you have to look at. Okay. I hadn't even seen it. And I looked at it last night and I was like, oh my God, it was so in depth. Wow. She's the, but the major thing that she does is steam. Mm. And I used to do it too. And, but when I saw that, I was like, I got to get back to the steam. Wow. Steaming okay. your face is really, really important. Um, drinking water. And there's some, I think, I think I have fallen off from drinking water too, because it just makes me have to go. I don't know. It's because I'm older, but I just feel like I constantly have to pee. <laughs> so, uh, but that's really important too. drinking loads and loads and loads of water. And then the exercise and, and what you, 
put in your body. My goal this year is to really try to cut down on sugar. Mm -hmm. And something else I saw on your YouTube channel. I'll be watching you, Angela. Thank you. You did a session with Queen Afua. And we, yeah, yeah, we did, we did um, like a women's gathering with, with uh, Queen Afua earlier in the year. We love Mm -hmm. Queen. And um, I'm, I'm actually planning on doing a, um, a detox, detox at the beginning of the year for myself and, and my husband, because I'm, we have a problem with sugar. Mm-hmm. And so that is my goal is to try to not necessarily cut it out, but certainly cut down on our sugar intake. Yeah. Well, you know? I had like sugar is definitely a drug and yeah. I had a big sugar problem. I feel like I'm doing pretty good now. But the Queen Afua detox situation is serious. Which one did you do? I did the 21-day cleanse. And then she got me in like her rites of passage program, which is really like three months. And I'm going to be honest with you and the listeners and the viewers. Thanksgiving completely fell off. Yeah. Like I had all the yams and all the mac and cheese and had turkey. And I was like, I'm going to do all vegan except for one day a week I was pescatarian. What I'll tell you is my mind, like from just eating vegan was so clear. I feel like I could, you know, like my clarity of thought, I didn't have like the brain fog. I was sleeping better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, you know, it must just be me, but like I haven't had meat in years. I stopped eating meat probably in 2000 and I did it for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried for a brief period to do vegan. It was way too hard. Then I moved back to Maryland and I end up um, being pescatarian. And now I'm pe- I've been pescatarian for, you know, I don't know, 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, but I just really <laughs> when I stopped eating meat, I didn't feel any different. Yeah, I, I promise you I didn't. Wow. But I've never most people, you know are very in tune to their bodies. I just don't think that I'm that in tune to my body because I just didn't feel any different. I knew that it was better for me mm-hmm. to stop eating meat, but I really didn't feel any differently. Wow. Yeah, um, I feel Like so- Jada, if you, when she eats salt, it makes her irritable. Wow. It do, like, I'm like, I, what? <laughs> I just, I don't know. It must be an old people's thing that I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not tuned into my body like that. I don't know. But but at the end of the day, really, when it comes to fitness, it really is as much about, and beauty, it is as much about what you put in your body as what you're, you know, doing with your body. What do you think about like the, like the, like prayer meditation? Do you think that that also impacts like your physical appearance and like how you you're I don't, I don't know if this is a nod or like yeah or no well, uh, well I was gonna just say that it's something that I struggle with mm. so I don't know if it if it affects your physical appearance but I I certainly know that we all know that stress you know can take its toll on your body mm. and I am really but that is something that I am really really working on right now as with you know for the 
for, for years on, on RTT, I've been complaining about my inability to meditate. Yeah. And now, you know, some things have happened to me this year that have forced me to really, really delve in and do some deeper personal work on myself. And meditation um, uh, is is one of those things that I'm really, really trying very hard to incorporate in my life. Like this morning, I only got five minutes, but I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I am. Um, I appreciate you just, you know, sharing these things because I think that for so many of us, it's like, oh, you know, I have to execute perfectly around these things or I'm never going to have. And you're like, no, nope, here's the shortcomings. Here's the reality. Here's my six pack at its worst. Yeah. I mean, um, you know. <laughs> Oh, a shade I just threw. You didn't catch it. No, I, I, I didn't, but I did just now. <laughs> you, you did was throw me some shade. But okay, we're going to wrap it up now because I know you got to go, Angela. So we're going to wrap it up with the wouldn't you like to know segment. And this oh. is where I ask you my 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 little rapid fire questions. Okay. And so one of them is something that you asked me. What book are you currently reading? Oh, I want to read Cass, but I am in the middle of um, Queen Afua's Sacred Woman. I just got that in the mail. Oh, good. Yes, I can't I just wait to talk it. to you about this. I can't yeah. wait to talk to you about this. And then um, I was just reading, I just finished Dr. Dyson's new book, A Reckoning um, with Race, uh, you know, a conversation with um, on race with um, America. And then another book that I have to shout out because it's a game changer for me is The Purpose of Power. We talked about Alicia Garza earlier. Yes. She just released her book. I don't ever read one book at a time. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, or... I don't either. I okay. have to be honest. I don't either. Do you prefer actually reading and holding a book in your hand or do you use Kindle or audiobooks as well? Because I love audiobooks. I love them all. So yeah. I, I downloaded um, Barack Obama's book and I'm only into like the third chapter. I started reading Dr. Dyson's book for a book talk. And then I went back to Queen of Fool's book. I'm going to go back to Obama's book. And my brother, Charlemagne, um, I call him Lenard, was saying he's listening to it and reading it at the same time. And it, that's been really good. So I was like, maybe I'm going to try that. But yeah, I because, yeah, I, I find that when I'm reading a nonfiction that I have to actually read it. I need to hold it so I can make markings and notations and all yeah. of that. But if I'm reading um, fiction, I, I, I can I can just listen to it because it's just for entertainment and yeah. I can get through it really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing you want to get off your chest. Ooh. <sighs> One thing I want to get off my chest. For this year, especially just because the other day, the Proud Boys went and tore down a Black Lives Matter sign off of a historic Black church in Washington, D.C. Wow. Metropolitan AME. So what I really want to get off my chest is Black Lives Matter, not just in your email signature block, but period. And there you go. And there you have it. That part. OK. <laughs> What's a motto that you live by? Ooh. my mom loves to tell me this and I'm, I'm working on it every single day. She says, Angela, make big things small and small things nothing. Wow. Working on that. I love that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Angela. It was such a joy to talk to you. Please, please share with, with the audience and the listeners where they can find you on social media and what projects or what things you might have coming up. 
Well, um, I'm on Instagram at Angela Rye. Twitter is Angela underscore Rye. Um, I am still doing my podcast. Uh, yes. We're closing in on a book deal coming up here soon. Ah! So late breaking news right there. And then, um, man, I'm just trying to get through the end of this year, Gam. I'm looking forward to this detox. I'm going to join you at the top of the year. I know. So glad I know. You could do this with You're me. doing 21 days. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do 21 days. I'm going to, I'm going to let you know. Start with you. And I'm just make sure that, you know, I'm walking with you on the side and rooting you on. And, and I just need for you to root me, root for me to get this six pack. <laughs> Angela, <laughs> we'll work on that too. Yay! I got it. I'm ready. I'm ready. All and right. I'm my water. <laughs> yep. There you go. Thanks so much, Angela. It was a joy. It was so fun. Thank you. Who are my children of the light? Striving to do right, my people are warriors. All we know is the fight. Praying to seek God and everything I write. Yeah. Who are my children of the light?